with Aaron, Holly, and Andrew. I'm Aaron. This is Paul. And I am Andrew. You know, I have uh, watched two movies this weekend. Uh, oh. One was Last Days on Mars on Hulu. Mm-hmm. And the other, also on Hulu, was Phantom. Uh, have, have you seen either one of those? I have not. I have not. Last, Unless you're talking about the Ben Affleck masterpiece, Phantoms. No. no. <laughs> no Last Days on Mars is uh, a, a, a surprisingly decent uh, independent science fiction film uh, with a, a crew, a, a science crew on Mars uh, on their, their last days before the end of the mission. And they on you know, like the day before they go home, they find uh, a microbial anomaly. Uh, and spoilers results in a zombie outbreak on the planet Ooh. of Mars. And it's got the, what's the actor's name who played Sabretooth in the X-Men films? Um, uh, big guy. Lee Schreiber? Yeah. Le- Le- Lee Schreiber. Uh, he's in it and it's, it is surprisingly good. I, huh. uh, I, I, w- I was like, huh, Martian said, space zombies. I'm digging this. And you said uh, Hulu. Uh-huh. On Hulu. Okay. And right. the, the other film, which I watched last night is Phantom, which is a Soviet submarine film uh, that I think is is based off the the same air quotes true life story that uh, Hunt for Red October was based on. Um, but it is all 100% from the perspective of the Soviet submarine crew. And the thing that is so jarring about the film is that it's it's based completely on the Soviet submarine. All these actors are Russians, all, not the actors, all the characters are Russians, but the actors are all Americans speaking in colloquial American English with zero <laughs> accents. And it is so weird. I'm sitting there going, wait, is this is this an American sub? You know, and I'm, I'm looking, I'm scrutinizing the uniforms. Those uniforms are right. Those those aren't those aren't American uniforms. These are Russian. I mean, for like 10 minutes, I'm like, we are on a Soviet sub. Right. And after you get past that. It's a pretty good submarine movie. Uh, I, I enjoyed it rather a lot, but boy, the 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 dissonance <laughs> yeah. of uh, of trying to 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 understand why are these guys all sounding like a guy I met at the coffee shop? You know, I mean, right. yeah, it's it an not. interesting. Maybe maybe they didn't want to go looking for actors who could do a decent you know Russian accent. And you know, they had got. I mean, a bunch of that guys in, in this in this movie, like David Duchovny's in it. Okay. And, oh, Gosh, Ed uh, from the Abyss. Uh, what's his last name? I can't remember his last Ed name. Ed Harris. Yes, Ed Harris is in it. He plays huh, this. Damn, that's a hell of a cast. It's yeah. a great cast, and uh, you know, the, the whole movie. I'm like, this is really good. Why haven't I ever heard of this movie before? You know, but it's also on Hulu streams. It was good. Well, it was good. Uh, now, now, Paul, you made a reference to one of uh, a fun horror novel I enjoy. But but are you being serious about the when you said it's Ben Affleck's great role in, in, in Phantoms? He was the bomb in Phantoms. Yeah, he was the bomb in Phantoms. <laughs> I yeah. Would, yeah. Dean Koontz, Phantoms. I actually like that movie. I like the book better than the movie, but yeah. the movie was still fine. Uh, but but, you know, I, I do think the book was superior. But oh, yeah, well, yeah, that's back when Dean Koontz was writing good books. Correct. So. 83. Yes. Yeah. It, was, it was a while ago. <laughs> yeah, it was, right. it was right. quite a while ago. You know, Aaron, um, did you were you aware that there is a, a, a new All Quiet on the Western Front um, adaptation on Netflix? No. It has Daniel Bruhl in it. So it, it is podcast adjacent. You know, it has a. Uh, Baron Zemo, Daniel Bruhl. Yeah. When did that and drop? I have not heard of that. Just this past week. Oh, wow. I will oh have to God. watch that. There's too much to watch, though. There really be, is to too be much fair. to watch. Fortunately, I'm coming into some holiday time. So uh, there you go. I mean, I have to uh, you know commit some some late night hours to watching some television. Well, Bright Side of Things, you know, I don't think we're about to talk about Black Panther Wakanda Forever, which is for me kind of the last big movie thing theater release of for the, the year. year. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I am very yeah. much looking forward to seeing The Menu. Yeah. You guys have seen the trailer for that? I, yes. I'm not familiar with it. Uh, you should check out the trailer. It seems like a, a movie that you would enjoy. And um, it suspense, is by, mystery. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Suspense, mystery. Um, Ray Fiennes. It is by the guy who created the TV show Succession, which I mm-hmm. adore. Um, so it, it's definitely up my alley. I am not an Avatar guy. 
Oh God, me neither. So just, every time I'm forced to see that trailer, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which is every time I go to the theaters nowadays uh-huh. between Black it, Adam and Black yeah. Panther, I'm like, oh yeah. God. Um, I, I I don't know. I'm 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 gonna go see it. I enjoyed the first one. I know it was it was a, a dog's age ago, but uh, I, I yeah, but I was not, I, here's the thing. I wasn't a fan of the first one, but I understand Same. that people. I mean, clearly, I'm in the minority. Same, right? Yeah. right. <laughs> the biggest yeah. money making movie of all time. Clearly, I'm in the minority. Um, so I get the fascination. But it's just not my jam. So for me, black as far as big blockbuster cinema, it's it's Black Panther. And um, you know, I, I I saw it on Thursday night in uh, the Dolby Cinema, you know, thing. And I am very curious to hear your thoughts <laughs> on this movie. Well, uh, I saw it yesterday morning. Uh, I was somewhat surprised at the relatively small number of people in the theater uh, for opening weekend. It just, I mean, it was before noon. It was an early showing, but uh, our theater was maybe about a third full. Um, Aaron, why don't you tell us how you watched it before you know what we think about it? <laughs> I uh, I saw it at 10 a.m. yesterday morning mm. uh, at the uh, Look Dine-In Cinema here in town, Ooh. and uh, it was a full house. Um, I, so I was surprised by that because usually those 10 a.m. showings are, are pretty light. Um, I was uh, not happy that uh, someone brought their screaming child for <laughs> two hour, 41 minute film. Uh, but fortunately, you know, child settled down. But I mean, I, I just I don't know what people are thinking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, and I wasn't that I, I did not verbalize that while I certainly texted that to you guys. Yesterday. <laughs> uh, the, the, the people sitting next to me, because I had people on either side of me. Uh, yeah, they were like, who brings a screaming child to a three hour movie? And I mean, this other guy's like, God damn it. <laughs> Super t- ticked off. But yeah, it was it was a big crowd at my theater. I assume. Oh, I was gonna say, Paul. I assume your theater was packed. Um, you know, yes, I would say, yeah, it was. It was a sold out showing on Thursday night, and I went to 6:45 on Thursday night because I'm old and I'm like, okay, well, 6:45. It's two and a half hours long, 20 minutes of trailers. I'll be in bed by like 9:45. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Old man, talk you out. Which is important when you get up at 5 a.m. to go run. Right. Very true. Very true. So, I mean. I, I think we've all been very much looking forward to this uh, movie. I truly, truly enjoyed the first Black Panther. I like Ryan Coogler as a director. Um, you know, so, I mean, I, it, this had a lot going for it for me. Well, I I was also excited to see it. I very much enjoyed about 80 percent of the movie. Uh, there are parts where, you know, if it had been a bigger crowd, more active crowd, I would have cheered out loud. But uh there are they made some interesting design uh choice or made some interesting decisions in how they portrayed things that I wasn't quite wild about. Yeah. So before we go into it, let's just clarify this is going to it's by the time you're listening to this, if you're listening to this podcast, you've seen Black Panther. So spoiler warnings on. True. Fair. I I felt like they I agree with you, Andrew. I feel like I enjoyed probably about 75-80% of the film. I feel like I feel like it was too much, and I feel like they overcomplicated so much of it that if they had just taken a moment to trim the fat and 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 make some easier decisions on themselves, it wouldn't have felt like I was – it felt like I was watching a TV miniseries because there was just so much. Right. And um, like Atlantis, I'm like – or, you know, the, the – Telecon. Telecons. And I'm like – you know, you probably could have saved yourself a half hour of screen time if you literally just said they were Atlanteans, because everyone understands that as a concept. Right. But they kind of for me, I'm like, we didn't need all this backstory. Just say they're Atlanteans. We don't care. That's you know, that's like saying vampires, like people get it, but they have to go into all this complicated backstory. And um, it, it felt but it felt like everything in the movie was overly complicated, over engineered, because um, I felt the same way about um, Riri Williams and the introduction of Ironheart. Because I was like, okay, this feels like they're just kind of throwing this character in here to set up the TV show. Yeah. But like, why? Like, it, it just felt like an unnecessary addition to an already packed movie. Uh, agreed. I, I I gotta say, one of my issues where they overcomplicated things was on the the whole, uh, you know, Namor coming to the Wakandan saying, you know, you need to fix this. And then, you know, they have they're doing their their part of the job. The Wakandans are fulfilling their agreement. And then, you know, the uh, uh, the, the I don't want to say Atlanteans, but that's not right. Uh, they, the they double. Right. Yes. 
they double crossed them, uh, you know, on the bridge. And you're like, why are you double crossing these people you came to to ask them to do a job for you to help minimize your exposure? Then you're having this huge exposure on this bridge to uh, while they're in yeah. the process of doing what I you asked them to do. What, why? Why? What's the logic? Like, hey, go find the scientist. They found the scientist, and then they they showed up in public anyway. Yeah, and that was again. It was it just like it was like hmm. That doesn't really make sense to me. <laughs> no, no, but but Aaron's being quiet. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if you had asked me before I ever saw this movie or Black Adam, if you had said, hey, Aaron, <laughs> which movie are you going to enjoy more? And I would have said without a doubt, without hesitation, Wakanda Forever. Uh, I loved the Black Panther film. Uh, I, 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 I saw it at least twice in the theater. I saw I've watched it many, many times at home. I freaking loved Black Panther. Oh, yeah. I, I, I thought it worked from beginning to end. Uh, very few criticisms about that film. And, Paul, I believe you said that you liked 80 percent, about 80 percent of what was in this film. That's 80 yeah. percent more than I enjoyed. Oh, wow. I, I will yeah. tell you that the movie is called Wakanda Forever because that's how long it lasts. <laughs> it goes on and on and on. There are there are long stretches in the film that are just boring. And I, I, I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to skip to the end for just a moment and say I didn't stay for the end of the movie. Whoa. Uh, I, when did you when did you get I had to, leave? I left after uh, she beat Namor on the beach. Wow. Um, I, I, I had to pee so bad. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm not coming back. Fuck this movie. Uh, I was so, I was so done with the film. I told you that the, the theater was packed. Not yeah. a single laugh in the entire film. In the yeah, entire none film. of the humor really landed. I will yeah. I will say that. Um, no. Go ahead. It was, gonna say, it's, it was much more of a, a, dra- a dramatic film. And there was yeah. there was long stretches of kind of family relations, uh-huh. generational kind of uh, relationships, a kind of angst and grief um, over things that people have lost. There was a lot of that uh, in this movie. Uh, it and was yet, not it was a particularly funny movie for the most part. The emotion was very dark in the film, right? Because, yeah, yeah. you know, we're, we're we are mourning the loss of our fallen hero. But also the film was just dark. You know, it's that it's that digital effect where they're tamping down the brightness in so many of the scenes. And I'm like, come on, Marvel. One of the things I re- you guys really do well is to show the action in, where you can see it. And so much of the film spent so much time being dark. Uh, and I know that part of that was tone. It didn't work for me. But I got to tell you. We open the film, and I think it's a gutsy move to open the film where Black Panther is already dead. He's he's died. It's not been a battle. He's died of an illness, you know, a sudden mm-hmm. illness we were all surprised by. And they move right to, you know, funeral and mourning him. And here's where I think the movie gets off on the wrong foot is, you know, we just saw a royal funeral in real life. We know what that's like when a – when royalty dies and we understand the pomp and the circumstance and how world leaders come to pay homage to this fallen uh, monarch, right? Where were the visiting dignitaries? Where were at least the Avengers? Yeah. Any of his friends? Yeah. 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 Um, I wasn't, I I would not honestly with what kind of being so isolationist, I wouldn't really expect visiting dignitaries to be there, but I, I obviously absolutely agree. I was, I was looking for Avengers. I was looking for his teammates. I was looking for, for someone to be there. That that was winter soldier. I mean, I was going to say, yeah, the, the funeral procession looked more like a musical variety show than a royal funeral i was just i I was the production of it and and don't get me wrong it would be produced just as you know queen elizabeth's funeral was produced but there just wasn't this majesty to it that i was expecting i i I was was very disappointed in that and then one year later (laughs) i i we just never got a moment at the beginning of the film to kind of live in you know black panther's gone Right. It just it didn't none of that worked for me, but also it didn't work for me was the sound design in this film um, from special effects to, you know, uh, diagenetic music, music that the characters are hearing, um, music that is soundtrack. 
none of that seemed to work well in the editing of it. And it didn't land on me like uh, Shuri is listening to music in her lab, but she's not responding to it, nor is anybody else. So it just seems like noise in the lab. I, I just I, I found that super annoying. And even before uh, Prince Namor attacks Wakanda, the outside shots of Wakanda look like a water park. I mean, I kept looking for the for the for the you know log flume. Uh, I, I just there was so much of this film that I did not like. I did not care for, and I and I knew this going in that I didn't care for the uh, casting of Namor. Uh, and it's just because he's so different from what's in the comic. And yeah, I get it. The MCU is a different thing. Really didn't care for it. And to your point earlier, uh, you know, it would have been a lot easier had they just said this was Atlantis as opposed yeah. to linking all of this to, you know, Central Americans. Um, but I get why they did that. And I, and I think that's a fair story choice. It didn't work for me. And I just did not find the actor playing Namor to be charismatic enough to carry that off because Namor should be a guy that you, that you both love and hate. And I didn't get that from this guy. Well, and I got to say, you know, sorry. Uh, no, go ahead. Uh, the choice to make the to, to Logan's, uh, to make the Atlanteans to Logan's, you know, descendants from Central America and this, you know, magic route that has ties to Wakanda, you know, has ties to, you know, what the, 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 the plant that, um, or the herb, you know, that turns Black Panther into, uh, you know, the superpowered individual. Like, I understand, I understand the story choice. For me, um, I think my, my issue with it isn't so much the concept of it as it is jamming it into this film. Because this film, and, and you know, kind of the way you described it, it just felt extra to yeah. me. <laughs> like, everything felt like it had to be over complicated uh-huh. overdone over explained over engineered um and you know that's one of the things that you know kind of going back to the director ryan coogler i have enjoyed about his previous films like creed mm-hmm. and you know even the original black panther up until the end of the original black panther it's it's not you know it, it's very much like down to earth you know the the action is well choreographed but it, it's not like it's not like an avatar movie um, and this kind of felt like it just felt like everything had to be so, so overcomplicated. And then yeah. you've got like the Atlantic, the Tolokans that have this underwater, amazing technology city that doesn't really make sense. Uh-huh. Um, I'm like, I just, you know, it, it, it didn't connect with me um, in a way that I wanted to. But and, and the sad thing is, there is a good movie in this. And I didn't dislike the movie. Let me clarify. I did not dislike Wakanda Forever. I feel like a decent editing job mm-hmm. and some small rewrites would I have do, made it excellent. And I do feel like the the actors are giving it their all. I don't feel like it was a performance I issue. Mean, Angela Bassett. I mean, oh God, Angela, oh, she was killing it. She, she was, and, it. and I mean, can we just step back and talk about her shoulders? Holy yeah, cow! Right? Yeah, <laughs> she goes to the she goes to the gym. Yeah, yeah. man. Good Lord. Uh, but, you know, talk about Namor. Uh, you know, I'm not familiar with uh, Tinoc Huerta's other work, but I feel feel, you know, when when The Rock played Black Adam, he got a lot in the reviews. He got a lot of grief for being, you know, standoffish and, and imperial and noble instead of playing to his natural charm. I kind of almost feel like like Tinoc uh, Huerta was doing the same thing with with Namor. Uh, I feel like he was not trying to be like, well, I think he was trying to be the distant, you know, imperial king uh, who really only relates to other royalty uh, and everybody else is kind of beneath his notice. But mm-hmm. uh, that's kind of the, the feel I got because he he doesn't play a likable person. It's hard to uh, come out of that movie saying, oh, I want to see more Namor because he's kind of a uh, he's kind of an ass. Right. Which yeah. but I remember reading Avengers in the 80s. He was kind of an ass then, too. Oh, yeah. 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 No, I don't I don't deny that. But I think Namor works best where he's charming on, with, to the women and then, you know, a jackass <laughs> to everybody else. Sexist. Got it. Yeah. Well, uh-huh. I mean, I, I think I think there there is a I think when he works best, he's charming to Sue Storm or to, uh, you know, the white queen, you know, I, but there wasn't that level of. 
I don't know how to how to characterize the performance, but I just didn't I didn't care for what he was giving me yeah. in terms of, of how. And I understand that's my own bias coming in in my experience with Namor in the comics, but I, I just didn't care for the interpretation. But I got to tell you, where this movie went off the rails for me. Well, hold on, real quick, real quick. Before you do that, I got to say one more thing about Namor, real quick. Uh, did it bug anybody else that they had the little wings on his ankles actually flapping? Because it bugged the hell. Oh no, out I me. loved it. Oh, I, I thought that actually worked. Oh. oh, really? No, I could not. The, the, I, I could not abide the wings. Like we left the theater. Literally, the first thing Jen says to me is, "His ankle wings. Like those were stupid." <laughs> I'm glad that, that Jen is, and Paul are with me on this. The layperson who's not, you know, so enamored with Namor, um, I, I can't imagine anyone who's not in the know finding those ankle wings <laughs> like good. Well, except, and for, it was, except for her. It, it was very satisfying when she uh, took one off of it. <laughs> yes, very that was very that was satisfying. good. Yeah. Well, but, wh- where know, did it turn better? It, well, my favorite character from Black Panther was Okoye. Mm-hmm. Oh, I see where and, this is going. And, you know, when uh, the queen fires her, I'm like, oh, yeah, here we go. Okoye's going off the grid. You know, she she she's a former cop with no rules and nothing to lose. Yeah. And nothing happened. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh, we're just going to shove her to the background until the end of the movie. And that's exactly what they did. I was so disappointed. That was not the movie I wanted to see. Yeah. I, I, I really love that character. Yeah. And, you know, they, they pushed her to the background to spend more time with, I don't know, Riri Williams. And I love the Ironheart book. I didn't need that in this movie. I think I, 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 I think you could have done the Ironheart thing, you know, tease her a little bit and just have her show up, you know, uh, in the in the uh, America scene right on the bridge and then have her take off. I don't really think you need her anymore after that. Oh, and I want to just clarify, you know, for, for, for my own edification in the in the movie universe outside of, you know, Namor and his people, as far as the world is aware, vibranium is only available in Wakanda. Correct. Right. Yep. So why would she invent a vibranium detecting device as part of a school project at all? Yeah. Because her MIT professor is trying to put her in her place by giving her an impossible task. Yeah. Yeah. There's that. It happens. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, well, why would she do that to begin with? Um, to, I mean, prove, yeah, it, to prove it, an it, old white guy wrong. It, it felt very shoehorned in. And I feel like the story could have been just, Again, with some trimming and, a, and yeah. a, a little bit of rewriting, like you don't need Riri Williams at all. And I, I actually didn't dislike her character. I liked her character. I feel like I, you know, I would be interested in seeing a little bit more. It just felt like unnecessary for this movie. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, overall, I liked it as I said at the beginning. Yeah. But they did overly complicate the story in several parts. The the Mesoamerican angle for uh, Namor and his people uh, was an interesting choice, and and I I understand it kind of plays into the the themes of the original Black Panther movie. But um, as kind of a hidden, you know, it's another hidden lost race with superior technology that can be on an evil plane with the Wakandans, right? Yeah. Um, but and share some similar some history and kind of showing how they can go slightly different, uh, you know, one way or the other in terms of how they deal with the outside world. But I, I uh, definitely liked it a lot more than Aaron liked it. Well, yeah, I, I, I got a was... hot take for you guys. Yeah, I have a new least favorite MCU movie. Wow. Wow. I, you know, I still haven't seen Eternals. Um, <laughs> Come on, Paul. <laughs> I know, right? Uh, you know, no, I, I would for because this is the end of what phase four. It is. Um, well, technically. Technically, uh, the Guardians of the Galaxy Holiday Special is the end of Phase 4. That's but right. this is the last That's movie. Right. Last, this it is the last movie. Movie. I would say, as far as movies are concerned, in the MCU Phase 4, I disliked more than I liked. Mm. Um, mm. And, you know, I, I, I name off some Phase 4 movies. We've got what? Uh, Spider-Man. Eternals, Spider-Man No Way Home, which is one of the ones I did like. Uh, okay, yeah, so Black Widow, Shang-Chi. Yeah, it was all right. I, 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 I like Shang-Chi. I like yep. Shang-Chi. Eternals. I like I Eternals. Not, it, no care. way home. I like yeah, that one. Like that. Yeah. Um, Multiverse of Madness. Enjoyed that. Yeah. Same. See, I didn't like Multiverse of Madness. Yeah. Love and Thunder, which I didn't like. I like oh, that one. I like. I like that and one. Wakanda <laughs> Forever. So really, the only movie the, I like two movies in Phase Four, and those were Shang Chi and No Way Home. 
I did not like any of the, well, I haven't seen Eternals, but the other ones, I did <laughs> you, you won't like Eternals either. Well. <laughs> I think you'll like Eternals. I think you'll I will enjoy not like it. Eternals. You may like it better well, than I you like I probably fucking love Eternals. I'll probably be like, it's my favorite movie. Well, this uh, is why, you know, Aaron Islin who's saying that he, he walked out of Black Panther 2. So I'm just saying his hatred of the Eternals may not be, in, uh, <laughs> may not relate how you respond to it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, phase four for me, um, I mean, the stand, I mean, No Way Home is far and away the best of the bunch. I, I did like Shang-Chi, yeah, but yeah, the others I did not care for. Um, and I, in fact, I really disliked Love and Thunder and Multiverse of Madness. Wow. Um, uh, yeah, I, again, I, I liked Wakanda forever enough, but to Aaron's point, of the two comic book movies that were released in the last month, I'll, I'll watch Black Adam multiple times more right. before yeah. I revisit Black Panther Wakanda forever. <laughs> Well, the only thing I'm going to do with Wakanda Forever is I'm going to fast forward to the end and watch the parts I didn't get to see. <laughs> I'm going to revisit it when I have to, right? Like if there's another Black Panther movie or, you know, a Namor movie, at some point I will revisit it, but I haven't, but it's not I ha- for me. There's no point in rewatching it. I have no plans to own this on Blu-ray. I will say I also really like uh, Shuri's look in the uh, Black, her Black Panther outfit. I thought the design okay. was fantastic. So, another complaint. Oh, good lord! For a mo- for a movie called Black Panther: colon, Wakanda Forever, Black she Panther shows up late. Show we know, we know, way late. I mean, like the, twenty minutes the, left in the film. That's because it's the story of her accepting it's her brother's loss and taking off the mantle of one minutes long. Andrew, <laughs> I understand, but the Jesus, journey, it's her journey getting over her brother's death well, and taking on his mantle. Couldn't she have taken the expressway on this journey? <laughs> oh, Jesus! I, you know, here's the thing for that. Time. I, I will say for that, I feel like I understand from a marketing decision standpoint why they called it Black Panther Wakanda Forever. Yeah. But I feel like the film really should have just been called Wakanda Forever. Wakanda Forever. I, yes, I would agree with that, too. You could have just called the movie uh, Wakanda Forever and it would have been uh, probably more uh, uh, and more suitable for what, what, what it's yeah. about. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yes. I mean, the, whole, the film the is about how Wakanda is more than just Black Panther. That's literally the point of the movie. Um and I feel like that would have just been a better title. But yeah, I think long story short, we're if you average out our three scores, we're a solid <laughs> lukewarm on Black Panther. Well, Aaron is, forever. Aaron is dragging down the average quite a bit. Yeah, but if you, but well, you, you know, if you if you, if you, if you, if you took, a few weeks and listen to our Black Adam podcast, like we genuinely enjoyed that movie. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, it was a funner movie, right? It was it was a more uh, traditional superhero movie. It was a lot of fun. Chadwick Boseman, of course, is amazing. A huge loss for everybody when he passed away. Well, um, you know, the, the movie's called Black Adam, and Black Adam is actually in the movie throughout the movie. I mean, so, I Black mean, Panther was there in the first scene in his coffin, just saying. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. And to uh, your point, was in the coffin the entire film. <laughs> I, I liked it, but, you know, I... I can take a sad movie. It's you know, and kind of relate to kind of some of the emotional baggage and, and trauma they're trying to, and grief really that they're trying to work through. I do not yeah. object to the to the to the grief and sadness. And I think both of those are appropriate for the film. What I object to is the manner that they told the story. And the editing and the directing, most of the writing. Those are the things I object to. <laughs> and the, you left out the music, Aaron. You left out the God, music. the sound design in this movie was terrible. Just <laughs> terrible. Okay. There was there was very little that I found enjoyable about. I I think we got that. (laughs) So if we take if we take the median, it's a seventy five percent. If we take if we take uh, the mean, it's I don't know something pretty low. Fifty. I assume Aaron's giving it like a zero. Zero. Yeah. (laughs) Well, it was disappointing for me, and you know I I will say speaking of disappointments. Oh dear, here we go. (laughs) Um, this week the death of Superman 30th anniversary special was released and we have been very excited about this book. It has, you know, there were, um, four teams, um, that basically were returning to tell short stories, uh, you know, uh, kind of the anniversary again of the death of Superman. So all of the four original teams. So you've got, you know, Dan Jurgens, um, you know, Tom Grummet, um, Roger Stern, Butch Geis, Louis Simonson, John Bogdano, Brett Breeding, um, Jerry Ordway. I mean, just uh, 30 years ago. Yeah. Fuck, we're old. Um, yeah. These guys were were the cream of the crop. And, um, you know, quite frankly, for some of us, they still are. Um, so I was very much looking forward to this book and seeing how they were going to revisit that, how they were going to make this a special book. Um, and quite frankly, I, I I didn't really think it was special at all um 
you know, the, the, the stories were all decent. Like I didn't hate any of it, but it was just kind of like, okay, <laughs> for, for me, it, it, I, I was a, a solid lukewarm on this book, Aaron. I, you know, I don't disagree. Um, and I, I wasn't expecting a lot from it because a lot yeah, of I don't, these. I mean, homage, I guess I expected more, but uh, these, a lot of these homage books are just not. Uh, you know, it's hard to it's hard to get back in that niche when you're just telling a short story. You mm-hmm. know, but what I did like, number one, the artwork throughout this book is fantastic. Uh, really, really dug that. I, I think that the first story works really well. Yeah, which uh, I don't know if you, I didn't, you know, I don't know if you noticed this until the end, but the first story by Dan Jurgens and um, Brett, Brett Breeding, Breeding. Yeah. Um, also take it's it's the longest story mm-hmm. for obvious reasons. Um, and on top of that, it takes the same um, storytelling device that happened in the original Doomsday story, mm-hmm. which is it starts with a certain number of panels. And by the end, it's only full page spreads. Right. Um, and I, I, you know, I, I thought that was. And a nice, you know, nice homage, nice design choice. I really appreciated the return of Mitch Anderson uh, in this yeah. story. You know, Mitch Anderson is the adolescent boy uh, in the uh, original Doomsday story who, you know, he's down on his mom. You know, why did you make dad leave, mom? You know, just and you're really kind of a jerk. And then Doomsday happens through the middle of their house and he's trying to save his sister and his mom. And Superman is putting himself between them, sat, you know, laying down his life uh, to protect them. Uh, it's a, it's just a, I love that part of the doomsday storytelling. And I love that we get to see him come back. Uh, I, I thought that was great. You know, he's always a character I think about. I always think about in terms of the doomsday story. I always think about Mitch Anderson. So, uh, it was nice to see him back in this book. I liked that we got to see Lois telling Jonathan, their son about doomsday. Mm-hmm. And, you know, not just that, you know, Superman beat Doomsday, but that Superman died defeating Doomsday. And then what? Dad died? <laughs> you know, and what does that mean? You know, does that mean that I can come back to life? You know, and them having to explain all that. I I, I thought the first story worked pretty well. However, you had Talking Doomsday show up and I don't care for Talking Doomsday. Yeah. Doomsday, I, I think the only appropriate representation of Doomsday was in the it was in the first Death of Superman story. Uh, Doomsday should not speak. Doomsday is a force of nature. And I'm sorry, you know, forces of nature don't speak. They just destroy you. Right. Um, I, so I, I always hate that, though. I did like the uh, four armed Doomsday. thought that was kind of cool. Yeah. Goro Doomsday, as it were. Yeah, I, I liked that. But uh, but yeah, you know, the rest of the book really doesn't work that well for me. Honestly, no. I think I would have preferred um, more of a uh, miniseries sort of approach to this where we get to, you know, let's not retell the story or at least let's tell the story by other people affected by the event. Right. Yeah. And I also think and I don't know if they plan to do this later, but I would have liked to liked for there to have been more of a reign of the Superman uh, presence here. You know, I mean, we, we got to see those characters, you know, uh, like Guardian uh, mm-hmm. in here. And I think we get some John Henry as well. Yeah. But I, I wanted to see, you know, I wanted to see the kid. You know, I wanted to see Eradicator. You know, I those are sort of things I wanted to see. And, and I think that there's a there's a place for that. And maybe they'll. They'll do a 30th anniversary of Reign of the Superman and give us that kind of story. But I think you could tell a deeper story. You know, show me red haired Lex in these stories. You yeah, know? I, I feel like there was a lot of missed opportunity in this book. And I feel like for what it, what's I think one of the things, again, I like the first story, which mm-hmm. Dan Jurgens, Death of Superman story, you know, and the other three. So that one is basically um, a modern day. Right. That, that is truly like, OK. Or I shouldn't say modern day because John Kent is is still a kid in it, but, it, but it, it's, it's the current it's the current continuity. Yeah, it's a current continuity, but ties back to something that occurred in the death of the Superman. So that one I like. The rest of them all kind of take place side stories to, and maybe that's where the book, to your point, like falls apart for me, or mm-hmm. at least loses a little bit of quality because they're all just basically side stories. Right. Um. And the the third and fourth one. So those are the Butch Geis and um. You know, John Bagdanov are the artists and don't and you know, nothing, nothing 
bad to say about the art. Like John Bogdanov does far too little um, in agreed work nowadays. Yeah, agreed. Um, where, where, where I struggled with them is that they are literally the exact same story, yeah. just about different characters. One is yeah. about the Guardian on his way to help Superman and getting mm-hmm. distracted along the way. And the other mm-hmm. one is about John Henry Irons on his way to help Superman and getting distracted along the way. And I'm like, yeah. I feel like an editor would have read those stories and said, hey, guys. Um, yeah, yeah a little too similar. Awfully yeah. similar. So, yeah. you know, may, maybe one of you has something else in the hopper because um, those two stories were essentially the same story. I mean, it's it's not a bad book, and I'm glad I picked it up. Um, it's pretty to look at. I mean, that's very pretty to look at. I got to tell you, you know, I, I think I think what I paid for was the privilege of looking at this new artwork from yeah. creators I very much enjoy. Absolutely. And it, it really tells me that all of these guys should be doing more work. And I know they're off doing other things, not comics, but boy, I sure wish they were doing comics. Yeah, and for me, I think what where I'm coming from is – if you want to revisit something 30 years later with the original creators, if you want a prime example of how that's done right, look at the Silver Surfer Rebirth series. Yeah, absolutely. It is a, a new story that ties into or takes place in the continuity of that prior, you know, the the the, the period in which you're paying homage. I feel like that is just a prime example of how you take those teams and revisit those classic storylines um versus this which is again more of a like here are some side stories that you you wouldn't have picked up these are the backup features that would have appeared in those books at the time essentially but again it's not bad it's you know i i I, i'm I'm gonna say positive things about books here about something here i promise (laughs) um but you know it 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 was it was totally yeah it it was fine well we got we got a double dose of dan jurgens this week we did a a a big heaping two big heaping scoops of dan jurgens you know one over there in dc comics uh 30th anniversary death of superman special and then his all-new number one first issue of lord of the jungle and yeah i think it's important to note that you know tarzan he wasn't a ladies man he just come along and scoop him up under his arms like that quick as a cat in the jungle clark kent though now there was a real gent (laughs) (laughs) he'd not be caught sitting around in no jungle scape dumb as an ape doing nothing yeah yeah (laughs) i uh i i I was very excited about seeing dan jurgen's uh take on tarzan in lord of the jungle and i was not disappointed I like yeah. this book a great deal. How about yourself, Paul? I do, too. You know, I, I, I feel like – and I, excuse me, dear listener, because I don't remember if we had this conversation before we started recording or not. Um, but, you know, we, we were talking earlier today about how some TV shows release two episodes at a time mm-hmm. because, you know, the second episode is where things really pick up. Right. Like Andor or some of those other shows. Um, I feel like Lord of the Jungle – I feel like the second tissue is where the story is really going to kick into high gear. Yeah. You know, this is the origin story, right? You know, this, this is, you know, for those folks who don't know who Tarzan is, and I just can't imagine somebody picking up a Lord of the jungle book and they don't know who Tarzan is, but just in case you don't know his uh, secret origin, uh, here it is. Um, Anyone under the age of like 35 probably (laughs) does need a Tarzan origin story. Maybe, maybe. But, you know, there are so much to like here. Uh, Number one, I think the writing is spot on. I I think that uh, Dan Juergens has a real sense of the tone for this book. But let's just take a moment and appreciate the uh, the the artistry of one Benito uh, Gallego. Uh, Yeah, he's got a very Lee Weeks. Um, well, and, and, and sort of a uh, a, a uh, Joe Kubert as well. Yeah. I mean, there, there is there is a very I almost want to say Sunday funnies look to this in the way that, you know, from the old Tarzan uh, Sunday comics. Yeah, uh, I man, I just really dig the way this is drawn. There is so much on the page, so much texture and background. And, you know, every panel is fully drawn. I I dug this book so much and it's narrative heavy, right? You know, it's not, it's not Tarzan talking because we're seeing Tarzan as a boy when he's nonverbal. So there's a lot of narrative on the page and that did not bother me 
one little bit. It yeah. worked like like a wonder. It really well, did. That's because I think Dan Jurgens and you know this is not to knock on other people, but there are definitely writers who are narrative heavy to uh-huh. the point of like, oh God, I'm reading a novel. Um, this was narrative heavy, but not in a way that felt overwhelming or overbearing. I still felt like I was reading a comic book. And yeah. for me, I got to be honest, the thing I'm most excited about with this book, you, know, you, you kind of hit the nail on the head. This is a quintessential Tarzan book, both in feel and in art. Mm-hmm. For me, where or I was sold is quite frankly on the last page with yeah. old man Tarzan. Uh-huh. Because I'm Lord like, okay. Stoke. <laughs> yep. Yeah. yeah, like now, okay, now now we're going to, I feel like we're going to get something different than we've seen. And I'm very much looking forward to seeing that fleshed out in future issues. Yeah, Old Man Tarzan looks like he's ready to put the hurt on some folks. Yeah. And uh, I'm like, I'm, okay, I'm, you know, and he's standing next to the guy who's, you know, who looks like he might be a former, you know, special ops guy, you know, with those combat boots and his cami pants. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, I think maybe uh, we're, we're going to see some uh, pretty grim and gritty Tarzan next issue. I dug this book. I, you I know, it, it did it did the job of a first issue. It's, it makes me want more. It's making me ask questions. And it, you know, for a book that is so that needs to be so deep in that nostalgia lane, I felt like I was on cruise control there. I mean, I felt yeah. like we were we were we weren't hitting any speed bumps. That uh, we were cruising right along, deep in that nostalgic vein, while also telling new stuff. I dug it. Yeah, as far as the Tarzan book is concerned, this is this is off to a good start, and I'm very yep. much looking forward to the second issue. Yep, me too. But hey, Paul, what about that uh, new Golden Age? Yeah, so new Golden Age, uh, it spins out of the pages of uh, Flashpoint Beyond. So this is Jeff Johns returning to to write some regular DC content. Coming out of this book, we'll have Stargirl and JSA and a couple of other books. Um, so you've got Jeff Johns and, and a ton of artists, including, um, gosh, I can't even name all of them. Um, but you've got Jerry Ordway, Steve Lieber, Todd Nauck, Scott Collins, Victor Bogdanovic, uh, Gary Frank. And this is very much kind of the next, you know, Jeff Johns is very good about not just paying homage to the, the, the books that he loved as kids and the continuity that he loved as kids, but also maintaining his own continuity. Because mm-hmm. this very much ties back to, again, Flashpoint Beyond and before that Doomsday Clock and well, DC and his, Rebirth and, be, and, you know, and even before. And his original run on JSA. Yeah. You know, so you're seeing a lot of the elements carry forward from that. I got to tell you what surprised me about this book. I, I did not see this coming. And if it was in any of the the previews or uh, interviews about it, I did not catch it. I did not realize we were going to get a return of the Huntress and yeah. her relation to uh, Batman and Catwoman. Uh, yeah, me either. And I like that. I actually that has been out of continuity like for forever. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was it was nice to see that again. Uh, you know, where, where that's her mom and dad, uh, you know, I love where you, know, as a little girl, she discovers, you know, Batman in her kitchen realizes it's dad. And the first question she asks is, does mom know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you essentially have three stories going on here. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got the, the Huntress storyline. Um, yeah, which, and then you've got kind of a Watchmen esque take on the JSA, very mm-hmm. Watchmen esque take on the JSA. And then you've got um, someone who's basically like traveling through history, killing uh, Dr. Fates, which I will tell you when I saw the future justice society mm-hmm. instantly, I was sold. I <laughs> yeah. The that, character designs. Yeah. The, it was like the, the, the 30th, justice society of, of third of the 30th, 31st century. century. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, fuck it. Give me that book right now. What I don't but, understand, <laughs> they don't you know, that, out of this issue. there is this wonderful page showing all the various murdered Dr. Fates. Yeah. I'm curious as to why we didn't see the remember the the punk rocker 90s Dr. Fate. Oh, yeah. I, I was curious as to why we didn't see him here yet. Oh, actually, sorry. There he is. I just found him. Oh, it's like a Where's Waldo book. Yeah, it really is. I just found him. Yeah, he's there. Wow. Yeah. I, I, I loved the logo of the Future Justice Society. Uh-huh. I love the character designs. I mean, they're all dead by the end of the issue. <laughs> um, but maybe we'll flash. Maybe maybe we'll get a story leading up to it coming up because yeah. I I really like those character designs. And I got to tell you, this is Jeff. This is Jeff Johns all the way. Yeah. This book and um, I I really really enjoyed it. It, it. The last couple of pages got a little over complicated, but mm-hmm. like where I, I don't love it. Where at the end of a book, it just kind of like jumps back and forward 
on the same page and timelines and universes and things like that. So on those last couple pages, I'm like, okay, hold on. I need a minute to understand what the hell's going on. Right. Um, but until then, I just really, really liked the book. Yeah, I, I think there's a lot to appreciate here. I, I, I like what it's queuing up. Um, you know, I think Jeff Johns is really good at like creating mysteries, you know, mm-hmm. that you that you want to solve. Uh, the question is, because he's not going to be, you know, I, I don't expect him to be writing all of this stuff. I hope that the folks who pick up those stories do as as good of a job resolving them as he has in setting them up. Yeah, agreed. So, but I thought it was I thought it was really worth reading. And uh, I got to tell you, Paul, um, you drug me into Batman versus Robin reluctantly. But damn, this is a really good series. You know, so. DC, <laughs> I don't know. They they just continue to release like nonstop event books because mm-hmm. we had Dark Crisis, this book, and Batman vs Superman. All three are, are relatively big event books coming out this week. Um, and I don't know why they don't space them out a little bit more. But regardless, Batman vs Superman, and it, it's Mark Wade writing it. But he, you know, I, I, I've been I've not loved this recent Mark Wade, um, you know. Uh, like the work he's been doing for DC, like that Batman Superman world's finest that we didn't right. care for. Right. And this very much comes out of that book, but works so much better than that book does. And, you know, this issue was just, uh, you know, it, it, so Robin and not just Robin, but all the Robins have basically been um, possessed. And so this is Batman having to take out all his former Robins. Um, but on top of that, you, you have this Alfred turn that we all saw coming Mm-hmm. But uh, the way it was resolved was just heartbreaking. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it's kind of been the the thing in each of these books. It's been the last page or two that you're like, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. you know? I mean, that's just kind of been the, the mode for this book. So, you know, God help us what's going to happen in next issue. But this was th- this also was a hard, hard uh, couple of pages to read. Yeah. I, I this book's full of feels. Um, You know, it's got Bruce doing a lot of navel gazing. You know, and, and questioning, you know, how he has raised his boys um, and his and, and his girl, you know, Stephanie Brown. Um, I, I but I, I very much enjoyed it. You know, even though I don't really care for the guy pulling the strings, the 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 Nisha demon fellow guy. Yeah. Uh, but I like everybody else in this book. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. And the art's just great. Um, yeah. I think uh, the art really is by is. Mahmoud Azrar, and yeah. uh, it, it works very well for this book. And if you are a fan of the Batman-Alfred um, relationship, mm-hmm. I recommend picking this book up, even Same. just for that. Like the, the moments in this book between those two characters, especially in this issue, have, have really been selling me on the book. And I'm there's one more issue left, and I, I'm, I'm hopeful it's, it's as good as the rest. It seems to be a really well-paced miniseries. It feels like, you know, so many times on miniseries, we don't get four-issue books anymore, four-issue yeah. series anymore. Everything's got to be at least six or seven. Right. Or yeah. Or 12. Or 12. And, yeah. uh, you know, Dark Crisis, I'm looking at you. You know, you, you've written way past your ending. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I think this this series is really working. But hey, Paul. Yes, sir. What's coming out next week? Well, speaking of DC Comics, we have <laughs> Deceased War of the Undead Gods, issue four comes out continuing that storyline um also from dc comics you have the latest issues of nightwing and um the first issue of star girl the lost children from jeff johns and todd nalk uh, for one of six um batman one bad day the mr freeze book from jerry dugan and mateo scalera comes out the books have been inconsistent i uh i did not like the two-face one i did very much like the penguin one so hopefully the mr freeze one is good uh, from Jeff Johns, you have the the, continua- the continuation of his continuity with Image Comics, um, Junkyard Joe. So we got a, a twofer Ooh. of Jeff Johns next week. Excellent. And Aaron, if you are still reading Iron Man from Christopher Cantwell, his final I- issue is next week. Oh, yeah, yeah, I am. I am still reading uh, Iron Man. I think I am a couple of issues back, though. Yeah, Christopher Cantwell, he is all over uh, next week for Marvel Comics. He's got Iron Man, Gold Goblin, and the second issue of Namor, the Submariner. Ooh. I never read the first issue of Namor the Submariner. Nor did I. Nor did <laughs> I. I. It's been a long time since I've read a, uh, a, a a Namor book. I generally prefer him more as a supporting character. Yeah. But I can the Illuminati. Well, would do a good job. Yeah. With with yeah. him, you know, considering he did a good job, such a good job with Doctor Doom, I feel like he could do a good Namor job. 
I, I might check that out. How long do you think before uh, Namor starts looking more like the Namor that we saw in uh, Wakanda Forever? Because you know I, that's coming. I don't. I guess mm. it depends on how well the movie does. Yeah. And um, how well, how, how much people take to the character, honestly. Yeah, I, I think you'd have to see a big, uh, a big, a lot of love for the new Namor for it to transfer into the comics because it's such a different look. Yeah. Well, hey, we want to know what you thought about this week's books, what you thought about Wakanda Forever. But by all means, do not call 972-763-5903. That number to not call again is 972-763-5903 because we no longer own that phone number. So don't do it. Really? Don't call that number. No, instead, hit us up on social media. I-O-M Geek on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. What a deal. Well, hey, guys, we'll do this all over again next week. And, uh, you know, maybe we'll find a movie to uh, to love. Maybe. <laughs> I mean, Probably I mean, not. we have we have but we have a new season of Yellowstone coming. So we'll be Ooh, yeah. and 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 uh, Tulsa King and Tulsa hey, King. And you, and you guys it. can go uh-huh. see Phantom and uh, and, uh, you know, Last Days on Mars and go see Wakanda Forever. No, don't do that. Save some money. <laughs> She's on Disney Plus in two months. Oh, my God. Yeah. Well, I, I, I'll be able to see the post credit scene then. <laughs> there you go. Bye. Bye, guys. Bye. Podcast theme music graciously provided by Mark Andrew Pope. For more information, visit markandrewpope.com. Funny Books with Aaron and Polly is a production of ideologyofmadness.com. No Spider-Man clones were harmed in the production of this podcast.